Hey, Pastor Kevin Wallace here. Listen, we're excited about what God is going to do in this time together. I want you to pay attention to this message that the Lord has laid on my heart. I believe it's going to bring life and strength to you today. I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. Receive this word today. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. When you got it, say word. Verse 1. I just want to tell you I still got joy even after a flat tire on my way to church this morning. The devil can't have my joy. Amen. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, somebody say that, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. I gave you its king and the mighty men of valor. You will march around the city. All you men of war shall go around the city once this you will do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And before the day, before, but the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it will come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people will shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, look at this verse, take up the ark of the covenant. Let the seven priests Bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Here's verse 7. Here it is. And he said to them, proceed. Tell your neighbor, proceed. And march around the city and let him who is armed. I come to tell you that your neighbor this morning standing next to you is armed and extremely dangerous. I said armed and extremely dangerous dangerous not dangerous in the natural but dangerous to every power and principality how many know that we have the sword of the Lord with us today hallelujah let everyone who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord for a few minutes this morning I want to preach about this word and rather this assignment somebody say advance Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the Bible. This book is your word, and we receive it today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that with the anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit, you would let me to allow me to teach it and to preach it to the people. Preach it and teach it until somebody gets up and goes somewhere. Preach it and teach it until somebody gets up and gets moving again. Lord, let me preach it and teach it until somebody that is paralyzed in their journey gets up and runs and marches and moves again. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone that loves the Lord said amen. You can be seated. The text today is found in the book of Joshua. Joshua is a book of conquest. And that makes it a book of transition because prior to the writing of this book for 40 years, 
Israel, you know this story. You've heard it all your life if you've been in church. Israel had walked in the wilderness for 40 years in a circular pattern, wandering around the same territory and in the same land, not very far from their promised land. But how many recognize that it doesn't matter how far away you are from your promised land, the wilderness and the promised land are two very different kinds of places. You can be really close to your promised land, but if you're not in your promised land, then you've got to make up your mind that the wilderness that you're walking through is just a pass-through, and you've got to get to where God is taking you because God gave you and I, and he gave Israel, and he always gives his people a place and a purpose. And this text this morning is right in the middle of Joshua. And it's a transitional text because changes are happening among the people of God. And these changes are necessary for you and I to see today in those scripture. Because what I find is that I read, when I read the story of Joshua, it feels a whole lot like our story. Their journey looks a whole lot like our journey. The decisions that they have to make are like the decisions you and I have to make. And so reading this story today, I find myself and I find our church and I find the people of God in our generation in a similar place, faced with the same kind of decisions. The first change that is happening in the book of Joshua after 40 years of wilderness wandering is that there is a change in leadership. Leadership is shifting in the book of Joshua. For years, Moses had been the man, climbed up and ascended on the mountain with God and received the Ten Commandments written in stone with the fiery finger of God, and he walked off that mountain with the Ten Commandments, and he spoke to the people of Israel with an authority. The book of Corinthians, the writer Paul tells us that when Moses walked down off that mountain, his face shone like the sun because he had been in the glory of God. And the people of God listened to Moses. And yet, even though they listened to Moses, they did not obey his commands and they murmured against God. They heard what Moses said. Moses did his best to take Israel into the promised land. But you know the story. They murmured, they complained, and they, they exempted, an entire generation exempted themselves from entering into the promised land and they walk around in this wilderness and now Moses is dead. Moses has died. He looked over into the land, but he didn't get to go into the land and in Moses' absence, God raises up a new leader. Moses was a master negotiator. Moses was an administrator. But there is a new kind of leader that God is raising up in this story. It's a leader that is a conqueror. He, 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 is a, he is a warrior. His name is Joshua. And you must understand that this man, Joshua, he himself took this trip for 40 years. Can you imagine being in a holding pattern for 40 years? 
I know we live in an instantaneous world where we make money and we, we make lots of money simplifying our lives and, and, and quickening the process and creating shortcuts. If you can create something that saves people time and saves people energy and saves people brain power, if you can create something and invent something like that, you can make a lot of money. But I want to tell you, God is not interested in shortcuts. God is not interested in microwaves, simplicity, and he's not always in our hurry. And sometimes God is taking, taking the process of our waiting and he's doing something in us to prepare us for a moment when he opens up a door. If God didn't let you walk through the process of preparation, you wouldn't be prepared for what he has for you in the next place he's taking you in life. Somebody say, trust God. The Bible shows us that this leadership shift is happening. We're moving from Moses to Joshua. As I read this text and began to, to just meditate on it, I, I, I don't know if you feel this or see this, and maybe you're not um, connected to the church world in, in a way that, that causes you to see this kind of thing happening, but I am watching the death and the passing on of an older generation. People we call generals in the faith, generals in the kingdom of God who have served the Lord faithfully and they've put their faith in God and they've trusted God. Just this year alone, my, my, one of my own spiritual mentors suddenly went home to be with the Lord. And I look back over 2020 and I look back over 2019 and even 2021 and I see leaders who are passing on. They are transitioning from this world to heaven. And what happens when that occurs to the church, to the people of God, is that the church must understand that a, that a vacancy left by a leader who has gone home means that there is an opportunity for new leaders to emerge and to take those seats. And why would God raise up new leaders? I'll tell you why. Because new, new land requires new leaders. When God gets ready to give us land that we've never had before, he often raises up leaders and, and new voices and new paradigms, come on family, of ministry. We often want the next generation to look like the previous generation, but I want to tell you that if God needed the previous generation for this new land, then you and I, you and I would never have new leaders that would emerge. When God takes the people of God into new territory, he'll raise up new voices who, who are stewards of what God is doing and this is what's happening in the text God is raising up new leaders for new land I feel like I need to do two things before I move to this next point number one I need to settle the family and tell you that when you see seasoned veterans and generals in the faith passing on and transitioning to heaven you cannot panic you cannot mourn and weep forever thinking that those were the good old days. And if we just had Billy Graham, if we just had Martin Luther King Jr., if we just had those people back, we could make progress. I want you to hear me say this today. Those men and there are women that God used in their generation to take his people to the place that they could never get to without those leaders. But if God needed those leaders, they would still be here. God will never leave his people without voices that let them get into the place, lead them into the place he has for them.
And I want to say this to you today. What if you're one of those leaders? What if instead of mourning and weeping over what and who rather has transitioned and passed on and and I often sit in my office and I often think about the great preachers. I think of T.L. Lowry who came here all, almost every Sunday. He wasn't preaching somewhere. Just a legend, an apostle in the Lord's house, a great, great man of God. And I, I often think about B.L. Kelly who was a, an, old, an older man. I was young. He was in his 60s when I began to pastor this church. These were legends, people that did mighty things for the kingdom of God. And I used to sit in my office and think, how can we lead without them? Till the Lord rebuked me and said, I called you to lead my people into places they'd never been before. I don't have time to go into this, but when God, I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about my generation. Listen, God will never leave his people without a voice and a leader because the spirit of God is always working to move the people of God into their purpose and into greater places for his glory. Leadership is shifting. Not only is leadership shifting in this text, but the way they operate and the way that they function is shifting. Watch this. For 40 years, Israel has been eating one meal every day. One kind of food every morning. For 40 years, they walked out of their tent and manna had fallen from heaven. Now, all of a sudden, after 40 years of living on heaven-sent manna, the Bible says in the fourth chapter, and pardon me, the fifth chapter of Joshua, that they wake up one morning and, and instead of eating the manna, they eat food from the land God has given them. And when they eat the first meal from the land, everybody say the land. When they eat the first meal from the land, your Bible says that the manna stopped falling. Forty years, watch, they lived on a miracle. And now God is getting ready to teach them methods. This is where I think the body of Christ is missing the opportunity to take culture instead of culture trying to take us out. We are called to not only live on the miracles. I'm thankful for the miracles. I saw some this week. How many can help me praise God for miracles? But God doesn't just want a people who live on a miracle meal every morning. God wants to give you methods to till and to cultivate the soil so that you and I can live off the land This is going to take a mindset shift for some people. God will give you the tools to cultivate soil. To uh oh, this is why we don't like this preaching because this kind of preaching requires seed. We'd rather live on miracles. Oh Lord, you're going to do this to me today. We'd rather live on miracles than sowing and reaping. I'm not even just talking about money, although I am. I'm talking about how many people understand that you can, you can live on miracle after miracle and from, I should say, from miracle to miracle, but there is something powerful about not having to have a miracle every week to pay your light bill. Y'all not helping nobody. 
I've come to tell you, God can take you from being a renter of the duplex to owning your own apartment complex, but you've got to get your mindset changed and quit just needing a miracle and start receiving a method that will help us cultivate the land God is giving us. They came out of their house every morning and needed a miracle to eat. And one day God put them in a land. And when they came into a land, they said, oh, look, this land produces. I'm going to have some time right here. God is putting his people in position in a land to cultivate the land and understand the power of stewarding the land so that it produces and you efficiently live for the glory of God. He would never take you to a land and call it the promised land if it couldn't sustain you. And God is maturing the body of Christ so that we don't have to have miracle after miracle. We actually have a savings account. Y'all can't handle this teaching. God is growing us up. I need a miracle. You need a miracle to pay. Come on, listen, God wants to make you a steward. Not a slave, a steward. Not somebody always asking this nation if you can. This nation didn't call you, so they can't uncall you. What if God was giving you an our land as the people of God to steward a place in the spirit, in the kingdom? So this whole idea of functioning began to change for the people of God. They went from needing a miracle to understanding the power of stewarding and cultivating and sowing and reaping. A land. And then the final change that happens in this text is that you have this group of nomadic wanderers who all of a sudden become an army. Can you imagine this? 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They were nomads. They had tents that popped up everywhere they went. Every time they moved, they collapsed their tent, wrapped it up, put the stick on their back, and they moved to the next place. And they wander like this for 40 years. And God said, that's my army. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I'm God, I'm going to go look for somebody that can shoot a bow and arrow, somebody that can swing a sword, a knife, throw a stick, throw a rock, throw something. These are nomadic shepherding people who have just been floating around wandering aimlessly for 40 years. And God said, I'm getting ready to move this tribe of people from a, from a group of nomadic wanderers into people who conquer and possess land. Now, I need to make this statement today. I'm talking to kingdom people. I am not talking to rich people. I am not talking to poor people. I am not talking to white people. I am not talking to black people. I am not talking to Latino. I am talking to kingdom people. And that means I don't care where you came from, and I don't care what language you speak, and I don't care the pigmentation of your skin, and it doesn't matter who your pedigree is, wherever you came from, whatever you came out of, if you're washed in the blood, I am talking to you today. And the devil is not big enough to take what God said belong to you. And if you change your mind and quit letting people dictate your future,
Where is my help on the organ? God is about to break some people out of a mentality of slavery into a mentality of occupation. And we're going to see thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Slap somebody, tell them he's talking to me. He's talking to me. I refuse to miss this appointment. I refuse to let religion talk me out of my inheritance. God has provided a place. Can you make the change? Can, look at your neighbor, tell them, can you make the change? Can you make the change from being a wanderer all your life, all my life? Have you ever felt like you were just out of sync, out of purpose, just living? God is about to narrow your focus because there's some land. Land. And I'm not just talking about terra. I'm not just talking about earth and ground. And, but I am talking about that. Because if we don't take land, I promise you this, demon powers will. There is a version of passive Christianity floating through the ranks of the righteous that wants us to believe that all we do is come to church on Sunday and we say a few prayers, sing a really exciting song, two slow songs, I preach a three-point sermon, and we go home and whatever happens, happens. I want to tell you the devil is a liar. He said, Jesus said, occupy until I come. That tells me to things. He's coming back and number two, it tells me until he gets here, we have a responsibility to occupy every place we can in culture, every place we can in society. If you don't take it, witches will. If you don't take I've had people criticize me because I talk about, we talk about and embrace an idea in this house that we participate in the redemption of culture. We don't stand around and curse the darkness and talk about how dark it is. Dear Lord, church, if it's dark, turn on the light. Just turn on the light. Well, where's the light? You are the light of the world. You are a city set upon a hill. He is the light working through you. And you and I don't wake up every morning and take orders from darkness. We wake up every morning knowing this, that because of the grace of our Lord Jesus, we have been made one body. And because we are one body, we march the breadth and the width of this earth as the people of God. And everywhere the sole of my feet touch, God said that land belongs to the king. God is transforming. I'm seeing something happening in the kingdom, in the church of our Lord. There is, yes, there are some who are falling away. Did not Paul tell Timothy there would be a falling away? I'm watching the falling away. You're watching the falling away. Anytime you see people take the absolute truth of the word of God and begin to layer it with layer of cultural relevancy. And I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about preachers. 
who have decided to twist and rest and molest the scriptures. Yes, we're seeing a falling away, but I want to tell you that there is a tribe and a people that are not getting colder, they are getting hotter. They're, they're not getting further away. Lord, I feel like preaching here. They're getting closer than they've ever been to having a voice in this earth that connects hopeless humanity with the redeeming Jesus who will heal and save and rescue and redeem and restore. And I just believe with all my heart we are approaching a place in our generation where a collision of sorts is coming. Hopelessness and hope are getting ready to collide. Death and life are colliding. Darkness and light are colliding. Who will win? I tell you who will win because I've read the book. We're going to win. Christ and his people are going to win. I tell you this not because I want to stir up some sort of uh, some sort of you know uh, affinity or patriotic feeling. I'm not even talking about patriotism. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Our citizenship here is what woke us up this morning with purpose and because he called us into his great kingdom you and I ought to understand the moment we are living in something good is about to happen leaders are shifting and changing in this text the way they function and the way they operate is changing and the people themselves are changing they're moving from a nomadic group of wanderers to a tribe of conquering conquerors led by Joshua, who is the Old Testament type and shadow of New Testament Jesus. In fact, that is his name. His Old Testament name would have been Yeshua. How many have ever heard that word, Yeshua? The Old Testament word Yeshua is the New Testament type and shadow of the man Jesus who was Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. What is the point? The point is that this story of Joshua is teaching us conquest and that our conquest and victory do not come in our own strength. They come in the strength and through the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today that the closer the church gets to Jesus, the closer she will be to every promise he made her. And the further we get away from teaching and preaching and declaring and proclaiming his name, the further we will get away from every blessing that we inherit through knowing him. I'm trying to figure out what greater message is there to preach in this day than the name and the man, Jesus Christ. Why are we infatuated with other ways and other methods and other names? When the Bible said in the book of Acts that there is no other name given among men whereby we can be saved. You are not saved because of your pedigree. You are not saved because of some chant that you made at some place called an altar in something you called a church. You are saved and I am saved because 2,000 years ago my conquering king, he was nailed to a cross and three days later he rose from the dead and because he lives we shall live also. He 
conquered our enemies and there is no enemy that has ever withstood him. He has been given a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our conquering Joshua. He's the one that came and vanquished our enemies. And his victory is now our victory. And if you know him, then you are victorious. And if you don't know him, you can lick on a crystal till your tongue falls off and you will never find eternal life. If you don't know him, you can stand in every booth, meet every priest, shake hands with every prophet, get in every prayer line. But if you haven't confessed him as your king, you will never know real victory. I feel like praising him today because he's never lost a battle and he never will. He is our conquering king. As we read this text, and I'm wrapping up here, as we read this text, well, I'll take my time then. As we read this text, there are changes happening. Leaders are changing. Methods and strategies of operation and function are changing. And the people themselves are changing. And when all this change is happening, God is positioning them to enter what he's promised them for so long. I just want to tell somebody, I feel you, Lord, thank you. You're about to be glad you didn't give up. I heard that. Look at your neighbor, tell them, neighbor, tell them real cal calmly, you're about to be glad you haven't given up. Have anybody in here, don't shake your hand, don't, don't wave your hand, don't wink at me, don't let me know anything. Let me ask a rhetorical question. Has anybody felt recently like giving up? Okay, I told you not to, but you're going to anyway, right? Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel recently? Have you ever been under such an oppression and a heaviness presented with so many issues and concerns, got so many situations you're working through, seeing the failure of other Christian leaders, seeing the failure of other Christians, seeing the failure of ministry itself, and you just look at everything going, you see the craziness of the world and the direction that so many people are taking, and you wonder, is this even worth it? What am I even doing? Should I just throw in the towel? and join this flow that seems to be flowing in a direction and I feel so opposite to the direction of the flow that I'm feeling should I just give up I came to tell you on this Sunday morning I feel the Lord I came to tell you on this Sunday morning you are about to be very glad you haven't given up and you haven't given in and you haven't followed the culture and you haven't thrown in the towel why are you about to be glad because my Bible tells me in the book of Galatians, he's about to give you a harvest. If you faint not, don't give up. You're about to reap everything he promised. They're about to come into the promised land after 40 years. The big 4-0 over the hill. 40 years of waiting, and they're about to enter. 40 years. They get to the edge of it. 
Joshua is standing at the edge of his promised land. Look at the second verse of the sixth chapter of Joshua. Chad, can you put that on the screen? Second verse, sixth chapter of Joshua. Look at this. Forty years prior, God told Joshua, Caleb, and all the Israelites, I'm going to give you a land. And they waited for 40 years. And they waited. And they waited. See how uncomfortable it is? And they waited. And they waited. And they wondered, and they waited. And they wasted time, and they waited. And they murmured, and they waited. Some of them died, and they kept on waiting. And 40 years after waiting, the second verse of the sixth chapter, God brings Joshua to the edge of the promised land and says, look in there, see? Now we read this all of our life and here's how we read it. See, like, like see it, like a command, like see, like smile. Thank you, Chris. Like stand, stand, stand. Can you stand? Stand, yes, the third time works every time. Okay, it's a command. See, that's how we read it when we read this text, but it's not. See, I believe after 40 years, Joshua was starting to wonder, are we going to get this land or not? And God brings him to the edge of it and says, see, I told you 40 years ago, I was going to take you into a place called promise. See, it's still yours. See, the enemy fought you. The flesh almost failed you. People died. People left you. People murmured. People. It looked like you weren't going to get it, but I brought you to the edge to show you it's still yours. And it's still there. See? Look at your neighbor. Tell them, see? What promises are you still holding on to? that time has tried to make you get rid of and throw away. What promises? What does the enemy torment you about that God said that your faith just can't quit believing for? There are some people who stop believing, but there are some people in here, and yes, and you're about to get your faith back for it. There's some people in here who've been waiting on things to happen in their life for years. God showed you something he was going to do and the enemy has haunted, harassed. He has tried to make you back up on believing it and God is bringing you to a point in this stage of your life and he's saying, look in that promised land. See? That's this. When you see the promise that God has for you, it quickens you and I to a place of obedience. This is why the Bible said where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. Why? Because if I can't see where I'm going, if I can't see a, 
If I can't see my way out of this, then I'm just going to throw off all my restraint and live crazy and live however I want to live. But if I know I've got a purpose, if I know I still got some promises to live for, if I know that there are some unfinished promises and some unfinished business in my life, then I know if it's, it's available, I got to keep on believing. I got to keep on, uh-oh, you ready here? Living right. Yeah, yeah, because I can't just live any old way and expect to inherit this promise. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I've got to be ready. That's why Joshua said, Joshua said, prepare yourself. Uh-huh. First chapter, he, the Bible said that God, third chapter, God walked through the camp and told Joshua, tell the people, prepare yourself for tomorrow. The sun will come out. Oh, I'm getting ready to bless myself here. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom. I'm feeling the anointing on this song here. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Somebody say, you can't talk about tomorrow. You can't talk about it in your own flesh, in your own strength, with your own ideas and your own mind made up. But as long as your tomorrow is wrapped up in Jesus, I came to tell you, you have a tomorrow. And you'll know you have a tomorrow when you start preparing like you've got a tomorrow. Look at somebody and tell them, I know you don't understand why I'm getting it ready, but I'm getting ready for something you can't see. I already saw it. I know it's on the way. I'm getting myself ready. Oh, my God. I better quit because I feel like I'm getting ready to see a breakthrough. Slap your name and tell them tomorrow. He said, he said, watch this, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. He said this, he said, I want you to see this. And when Joshua sees it, his faith rises. And the reason the Lord let him see it first, there's a, there's a wisdom to God. God let him see the promised land to provoke him to obey. God let him see the promised land because he was getting ready to give him the craziest instruction he had ever given anybody. <sighs> you ready? I'm going to show it to you. And he sees the land flowing with milk and honey. And Joshua said, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to go back and tell the people we're getting ready to go in. And God said, you're getting ready to go in. Isn't it wonderful? Yes, it's wonderful. Do you see it? Yes, I see it. Isn't it incredible? Yes, it's incredible. Okay, here's how we're going to take it. I'm going to get you to get the preachers and tell the preachers to get a horn and proceed and march around this city one time a day. One time a day. And tell the people, tell them crazy people down at Redemption, don't say nothing the first six days. Just walk. Y'all can't handle this instruction, can you? All the Presbyterians like, I know this. I know how to do this. Pentecostals, we don't know how to do this. Watch. Don't say, I love y'all Presbyterians. You know we got some Presbyterian people I love in this church. Watch. Just walk around. 
And when I was thinking about this, I thought, what about the silence is intimidating? And I thought to myself, but wasn't Jesus like that? He was like a lamb led to the slaughter, and yet he opened not. Y'all missing what I'm talking about. He opened not his mouth. Can you walk and not have to talk about what's getting ready to happen and flaunt all your stuff? Just walk. Look at somebody tell them, just walk. There's a season where you just got to be quiet. I know y'all don't like this. Sometimes God ain't wanting to hear something. Sometimes he's wanting to make sure you got the message. Just march. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, neighbor, march is not a month. March is an order. I can't find no help in here. March is not just a month. March is an order. I've come to tell you and announce that there is some stuff breaking off of the body of Christ that 2020 tried, tried its best to put on us. 2020 tried to rob our voice. 2020 tried to rob our vision. 2020 tried to rob us of victory. But I came to tell you that mess is getting ready to fall off and some walls are getting ready to fall. We're getting ready to come into something we've never come into before and sometimes you just gotta march. Why are we marching? And I thought about this. Watch how this operates and I'm winding up. Watch this. I said that three times so forgive me. But they march one time a day for six days. One time a day. For six days. There's a real spiritual thing we try to make in this text, but there's something about this text that is very natural. Marching one time a day for six days creates endurance. Why am I marching? Why ain't something happening? Just shut up. He told you to be quiet. Just be quiet. Just march. Why? What is happening when I march? What is happening when we walk? Why we got to keep praying? Why we always got to have a prayer meeting at the beginning of every month? Why does that little woman talk about all this, all this fasting and praying? Why do we do this? I want to see something. Shut up and march. Just start marching. Why? Because God is increasing your endurance. Some of you can't walk seven times on day one because you're, oh God, you're so wore out and you're so tired and a two-hour service just gets on your nerves. But I feel the Lord telling me to tell you he's about to increase your spiritual, your stability is rising. You're going to be able to make it through this service and not pass out. What? You just got to walk sometimes. You just got to pray sometimes. You just can't give up. Sometimes, sometimes God is taking the first six days to get you in shape. Yeah, Lord. Yes, he's just getting you in shape because religion had you stuck. And when you, how many know what it was like coming out of COVID? Come on, we come out of COVID and everybody starts doing this and we come out of the winter and we're like, oh God, my clothes don't fit, Lord. And go to the mall and spend some of that stimulus money and you walk from pennies to dealers. 
my God, I need to get in shape. Why are we walking six days just one time a day? God is increasing your stamina. You ain't got no spiritual, I'm going to walk around here. You ain't got no spiritual stamina. You ain't able to, you can't pray longer than three minutes. What's wrong with you? How could you not pray at least an hour when you're talking to the God that put the wet in the water and the stripe in the zebra and the green in the grass and the blue in the sky and he flung every star in the place and he called them all by name and you can't pray for longer than three minutes? You gotta get some stamina. God is looking for some people who will march. I'm through. I'm through because some of y'all about to pass out. Six days, six days, one time a day, and they didn't say nothing. And God said, after six days of one march on day seven, I'm going to need you to march seven times. Isn't it crazy how God knows how you can increase in your stamina? He prepared you for the seventh day. And they marched around. I'm not going to march around. Listen, back in the day, we used to have like freak out, spontaneous Jericho marches in our little church, and we could do that. You Jericho march in here, you better be in the anointing. I saw a man take off running one time. He was so excited. God healed somebody, and he took off running and ran, and he thought he was going to make him a little victory lap. And about back there at the exit sign, he held his hand up. Boy, I didn't know this was half a mile. Half a mile. Look at somebody tell a neighbor. Come on, tell your neighbor. Say, hey, neighbor. Tell them March is not a month. Tell them March is an order. And I call this house out of a sitting position. I call this house out of a waiting position. I call this house out of a pause. And I call you into a seventh day march. It's time to take the territory. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Come on, slap your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, it's time to march. It's time to march into purpose. It's time to march into victory. It's time to march into the camp of the devil and take back everything. Yes! It's time to march. I'm through preaching. I'm through preaching. But the Bible says that on the seventh day, they walked around seven times. And they got to the seventh time. Now, you must understand that the walls of Jericho were 14 feet high and 35 feet thick. It was impregnable and impenetrable. And they did not understand how they were going to have victory in such a battle. All God told them to do is march. All God, God said, just put your feet up and pick them up and put them down. Pick them up and put them down. And they kept on picking it up and putting it down. And they marched six days, one time each day. And they marched on the seventh day six times. Nothing happened on the sixth time. But they just kept on marching. And then on the seventh time, look at your number, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, seven is the number 
of completion. Some of you have walked six times, but the wall hadn't fallen. And you're trying to find out why the wall hadn't fallen yet. Because your warfare incompleted. But whenever you, you finish that seventh trip, warfare will be complete. You got your, you got, who got a, this is crazy. I'm getting ready to do something I ain't done in 21 years. Who got a shofar? Oh my God, we got people with shofars. We, we actually have some people with shofars. Come on, Janice. Come on, Janice. Come on down here, Bradley. We don't have shofar Sunday every Sunday, but we're getting ready to blow a shofar on this Sunday. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like I've been marching seven times on the seventh day. I feel like I'm in a moment of completion. I feel like some warfare has been accomplished. Somebody open up your mouth and shout. Shout. Shout to every wall comes down. Shout if you know God gave us the city. Shout if you know God gave your family a blessing. Shout if you know your, door, your doors are opening. Because I feel, if you want to do it, go ahead and do it. Give him a praise all over the church. Yes! I'm not going to wait all afternoon. If you believe we're entering in a season where the quiet things are becoming loud things and the defeated things are becoming victorious things. Somebody give it praise. Hey! Somebody cut your feet loose, open up your mouth, and give God 30 seconds of good praise. Hallelujah.
long enough! Advance! Hold on! Woo! How y'all about shy? say this. Yeah, bye-bye. We give you thanks, God. I felt some walls crumbling over here. I said, I felt some walls crumbling in here. I read this story, and as I was reading it, I saw this group of nomads circling this city and they were not afraid. The only people nervous were the people who lived in the city of Jericho. Wait, wait. And I said to myself, why are these people behind this wall scared of the people who had just walked out of a wilderness and all they're doing is marching. And I found the answer. The fifth chapter of Joshua said, they heard what God did for Israel at the Red Sea. I got news for you. The victory God gave you in a previous season has made news in hell. And hell ain't scared of you. Hell is scared of the God 
that pardoned the Red Sea Fort? Has he ever pardoned the Red Sea for anybody in this house? Well, I want to tell you if he did it before, he'll do it again. He's the God of victory. Come here. We're going to do something naturally to accommodate what I'm preaching spiritually. Yes. Deb, just you do this better than me. I'm going to ask Chad to throw this slide up on the screen. We heard that March is um, an order, not a month. And we're going to actually physically do this. We're going to prayer walk this city. It's been a minute since we've done that. Um, Pastor Gary Keelan, raise your hands. He's going to be ready. We're going to do this in strategic ways. Some of it will be just marching this campus. Some of it might be going a little further out in the city. All you have to do today is if you're willing to go on a prayer walk, probably yeah. mostly in the next seven days, text MARCH to that number right there. That will put you in a group where he can actually email you or text you the location you'll be meeting at and where you'll be praying. We're going to actually put action to the word of the Lord. And let me just prophesy this. I feel it so strongly on me right now. This city belongs to Jesus. Every square inch of Chattanooga was meant for the glory of God. It is a city set upon a hill. Oh, yes. And what the Lord has done in this city before, he will do again. And let me tell you, I've caught wind of how the enemy wants to advance in this city. And I say from this pulpit with the authority of the kingdom of heaven, the church says no. The church says no. I declare this is a city where revival will reign, where the church will live, where life will reign. This is a city where awakening will come sons and daughters will thrive and we're going to march and mark the territory if the Lord said everywhere the sole of your foot touches belongs to him then we better get to walking, get to walking. we better get to walking because if we don't the enemy will and I'm telling you right now the enemy is walking this city and he is marking territory he wants to have but the church says no so I need you to text march to 200-4993 and over the next seven days we're just going to march and pray nobody even has to know what we're doing you can smile and march and pray That's all you and gotta we're going to mark this city for the glory. I want to do something before we leave today. Heads bowed and eyes closed in this room. If you're in this room and you need Jesus, our heavenly Joshua to save you, I don't care how messed up you feel, how many mistakes you made last night, it doesn't matter how far away from God you feel, how screwed up in life you feel. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need Jesus to save my life. I need him to rescue me. I want to I want to follow him and make him the Lord of my life. When I say three, if I'm talking to you and you you feel the tug in your heart to follow Christ, when I say three, just shoot that hand up. I want to pray with you today. One, two, three. Yes to Jesus. Anybody need to give their heart to the Lord? Just lift your hands. I see hands up all over this room. You can put your hands down. Everybody look at me. I want you to look at the person on your left and right. I don't care if you've known them your whole life or you've never met them before. I want you to ask them one question. Do you need somebody to go to that altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, when your neighbor asks you if you need someone to come with you, I want you to just take them by the hand. I'm going to come right down here in this altar, and I'm going to wait on you. Anybody that wants to give their heart to Jesus today, we came today for people to give their life to Christ and to follow him. If you want to get saved, come right now. Anybody at all. I saw some hands go up. I'm not going to come get anybody. But if you want to get saved, come stand with me right now. Just come meet me right here. I'm going to give my heart to the Lord today. Anybody want to pray before we go? All right. Oh, they're coming. Praise God. It's a good day to get saved, sweetheart. Come on.
Come on. Come on, family. There's room. It's a wonderful day. It's a wonderful day. Yes, it is. Come on, they're still coming. Somebody give it praise. I'm going to ask my pastors, my prayer leaders to come help me pray. Everybody stretch your hands toward them right now. Pastor Gary, come help me. I want to make sure everybody's getting prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the work of salvation in this house. How many are thankful Jesus came to save? How many are glad he saved you? Say amen. I want you to stretch your hands toward this altar and pray for these brothers and sisters just for a moment like you wish somebody would have prayed for you the day you gave your heart to Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. Yeah, come on. It was there by faith I received my sight and now just one more time as they pray before we go everybody sing the hymn come on at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart oh That I receive my sight. Oh, this is wonderful. Come on, just one more time and thank him for it as you sing it again. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Oh, it was there that I received. I want you to leave today. I want to pray for you. We're going to leave today on an assignment. It's time to march. And I want you to see your day tomorrow, even on the way to your job, on the way to school, for those of you who have it. I want you to see it not just as another day, but on an assignment. And everywhere the sole of your foot goes tomorrow, and everywhere God opens up a door for you to be tomorrow, how many know that that land belongs to God? And we're going to see thy kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, today we thank you for the privilege of advancing the kingdom of Jesus. I pray over your people today for a week filled with divine appointment, divine blessing, divine protection. Thank you for opportunities of ministry that will bring hope to many this week. Let this house be authorized and deputized and sent today to make a difference in this city. And I thank you, God, for every testimony you've given us in our past. It's a prophetic declaration of what you're able and willing to do for us in our future. Bless your people today. Let them occupy till you come in Jesus' name. If you receive the word of the Lord today and you're thankful for what God has done in this house, give him praise all over the place. Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you, and there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life 
is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to become the Lord of your life. And if you want that opportunity, then right now I wanna pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin, to turn to the living God. And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, He is only one prayer away. Would you turn your heart toward Him right now? Just say, dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin and make me new. I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the King of my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We want to make sure you have a Bible. We want to make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area. And if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.